I am Bams, and I am your storyteller, and I am joined by my wonderful cast. I'm Jupiter, and I play Missy, the forever teen misunderstood emo Malkavian. Hi, I'm Oz. I play Arthur Subchak, the Nosferatu. <laughs> I'm Tom, and I play Jimmy, the best Toreador from the 80s. And hi, I'm Super Cookie. I am playing Coco. We had left our coterie inside Elysium, being amongst some of the last to arrive. Makes sense. They're one of the farther out groups of Kindred. And as they start to file in and mingle into the crowd proper, the prince had taken the small stage that had been set up and made the announcement that there is a problem in the domain of Springfield. After her proclamation, conversation begins to come to a little bit of a close because this is a grand show of, one could say, weakness. The prince is supposed to be strong, supposed to be leading the city, but your city is a little unusual. Here she is explaining that something has gone horribly wrong. And of the assembled people, you all probably know the most of what has gone wrong. When things have come to an acceptable level of silence, the prince continues. It has come to our attention recently that there has been a Sabbat incursion into the city. Murmurs across the crowds. And as a result of this, Miss Carol Jackson, our beloved harpy, somebody makes a sarcastic laugh that's not art or Missy, has met the final death. Murmurs, conversation. She pauses, letting it come to a close again. We believe that it was the same Sabat pack that came through this area some 50 years ago. However, when we all band together as this evidence has come forward, we will make sure that the city of Springfield, the domain of Springfield, and our homes will be restored to the peace that it has always been, that we have always known. Baron Abisha makes his presence known. He was always there. You guys know this, but as a Nosferatu, they often employ disciplines to trick the mind into making you not pay attention. He stands up loud and proud and addresses the prince directly, almost interrupting her, saying, Yes, my prince. It took our combined efforts to drive them out last time. Any motions to the other barons that are around the room? Everybody is silent at this because it's, it's no good to make the prince look bad in front of everybody. And it continues, You were just your sire's newest toy at the time. I knew the Sabbat had returned weeks ago and have kept them out of my domain. Yet you call yourself prince and aren't even aware of what is happening in your own city? The prince stands there for a minute and looks around the room as everybody else looks around the room. How are you guys feeling at this situation? Is there any comments or concern, or shall I continue? Missy's confused. Like, I didn't think we could talk to the prince like that. What kind of play is he making? Yeah, that's Jimmy's thought as well. Art knows a lot more about that than he's letting on, but yes, what, what play is he making? Hmm. And that seems to be the attitude almost everybody else is taking 
this is unusual. This is not what was expected. And if nothing else, an evening that they were all dreading has now become very entertaining. Abishai points an accusatory finger at the prince and says, You and I both know your sire did not want you to take his place. He saw your weakness as we all do now, and you are unworthy of the title. Gasps, shocks, especially loud gasps and shocks from the little crowd of Toreador in the corner. Yeah, shock. The prince summons up some of her supernatural power, uh, and a little wave of unease sweeps across the crowd for just a moment, reminding everybody that she is, in fact, the prince and Ventru. She looks to Baron Abishai and says, If you knew for so long, why did you keep it to yourself? While others of the domain have suffered their own losses, kept this information to yourself because you were trying to undermine the society that we have built here together. You think only of yourself. She looks across the room, not letting the daunt drop to the sheriff. He says, Sheriff. And he stands to attention and he's looks to the prince for whatever she will ask of him. She drops Daunt, and everybody relaxes just just a bit. And she looks from the prince and motions to Abishai and says, please inform Baron Abishai of our newest revelations within the situation, that he did nothing in his weeks of knowing about the Sabbat to quell. The sheriff reaches into a bag and pulls out the leather jacket that Sveeple was wearing and tosses it up onto the stage. The prince addresses, not Abishai, ignoring him, turns to the crowd. says, due to the efforts of some kindred, care about the domain instead of just their own little slice of it. We have received prompt and effective information that led to the slaying of one of these Sabbat already. A gangrel that was here that came back to the city very recently. Coco, you feel many eyes turn upon you, judging you. Yeah, my eyes just get really big, and I feel very small. But try and, I don't know, stand straight, maybe a little behind Missy. The kindred that provided the final death for Carol a few nights ago and provided the final death for our very own Baron Walter just last night. When Jimmy speaks, eyes go from Coco to Jimmy. And then when he mentions the death of a Baron, like a wave emanating out from him, whispers and gossip we came back from the hunt of Sveeple and went back to report it to our baron and we found only his dust left what do you say to corroborate his story as he makes these proclamations to everybody 
Oh, I can totally, totally corroborate. Not now, Coco. Not now. It's tragic death. Notability is on life. Just that it was absolutely horrible. Like, the place was disgusting. You should have seen how he lived. It was really, really gross. The prince lets the murmurs gossip and conversation go for a moment before she speaks again. Those of you who may be interested will notice that you cannot see Baron Abishai anywhere. She speaks up again after everybody's had their, their moment. The sheriff and his hounds will be taking testimonies, evidence, and reports of the various incidents that have been happening over the city for the past few weeks to try and find some sort of pattern or information about where this one other Sabbat member may be hiding at. There are originally, they were a pack of five 50 years ago, as those of you that were here remember. So we know of one more that is in the city. The other three, we do not know anything about where they might be at this current moment. That being said, I have business. Any member of the Sabbat, any kindred in the city that is not known to our society and has not been introduced in following the traditions is not afforded any of the protections of them. They are to be, at worst, driven out of the city. At best, they may be staked and brought to the court for judgment and possible rewards. With one exception, and she will motion to the side and out will walk a pair of young women. One of them dressed very nice, big head of red hair, just a simple, straight black dress, some heels. Those of you that may have gotten close enough to the stage will notice that she is very pale, kindred pale. Next to her is a, a young woman of about the similar age who is much more punk in outfit. Would be a mohawk, but it's down and flopped over to the side. It has a very bruja look to her, except has a healthy glow about her skin. This, as she motions to to the kindred woman, is a representative of Clan La Sombra. They are in the process of negotiations to joining the Camarilla on whole, and she is the representative to this city. As such, she is temporarily afforded all of the protections of the tradition so long as she follows them, even though her clan is not normally one that we would welcome within the city. She gives a bow to the prince and then a small bow to the assembled kindred just as a whole. Murmurs, much louder talking this time. Everybody hears that there is a lot of dissenting opinions upon the idea of a Lasombra in the city, especially when you are having Sabbat issues. Somebody happens to be talking closer to where you're standing, mentioning that this is who the Ventru were talking to. That this is who Peter was talking about. Peter being Baron Peter Rutger, the Ventru Baron in the city. They seem to be inferring that 
the Ventru, and perhaps him in particular, is how this person got into the city to have this meeting in the first place, and is perhaps where they have been looming and layering. Do the four of you have any comments between yourselves about the La Sombra? A new type of kindred, I have to know what they do? Jeez. So will you do. Fortunately, it will be easier. Easier? What do you mean? Think of the La Sombra as having the same kind of wheelhouse as the Nosferatu, except they look better. Lucky them. The woman, the La Sombra, at the prince's behest, steps forward to address the crowd. She says, I am happy to be received warmly and welcomed into this fair city. I am saddened that it is in such a tumultuous time, especially given the lineage that I represent. I will, however, be offering what knowledge and expertise I do have in the politics that I do know with the sheriff and the court as a whole to make sure that this integration can go as smoothly as possible. I look forward to meeting each and every one of you. She gives a bow and steps back. And as she steps back, the woman that she was there, the the mortal woman, steps back as well, showing a little bit of deference. The prince continues. In the wake of Carol's death, there are two small pieces of business that need to be attended to. The first is her ghouls. We have rounded up many of them. Those that resisted too harshly have been cleaned up as appropriately. Unfortunately, the city has been hit with a a wave of crime recently. Everybody in the audience knows what that means. Lots of covered up deaths and fake news. Those that came or were easily corralled have been brought here. Those of you who are interested in meeting some of these people and may wish to take them under your own employ, there's a snort somewhere in the room, may do so. They will be kept here over three nights as you come and return to feed them, and then on the third night you may take them home with you. Some murmurs, a lot of people turning to the side where Art saw that cage, which is not what you can see that that fence actually is. And then the final bit of business before we break to take individual meetings and individual reports is thus. And the Lasombra and her friend step to the side all the way over to the edge of the stage where they're completely out of the way. And Mr. Cohen comes out alongside Summer. Well, well. Summer is brought front and center. She looks nervous. Cohen's standing behind her. The prince continues. Miss Green was instrumental in assisting some of the less known ghouls of Miss Jackson. As a result, she has earned herself a reward. And Mr. Cohen, having had the last opportunity for a sanctioned embrace and the cleaning up of that issue, has brought himself here to try again. And with that, she steps over behind Summer, who tenses up, and the prince bares her fangs and begins to feed on Summer. 
you guys have a moment as her blood is drained. To watch a birth twice in the span of what, a week? This is an interesting time. Sure is. Eh, what is so poorly about it? She is not going to have the ankle bracelet. That poor girl. No. That was taken care of. Speaking of, did she still have that? Hmm. Sweet. Thanks. If this Sabbat issue goes longer than expected, there might be more, um, births. It will be something that you can discuss during the baronial meetings. Yes. There's a bunch of talk amongst the kindred that are here as the prince feeds on Summer. Summer is wearing a simple, like, white robe. Almost, I don't think wispy is the word I want. Um, Because it's not sheer, but it's just simple and plain. And it gets a little bit of her blood on it as she is taken by the kiss. And then as the prince continues to feed on her, slowly lowers from standing to her knees to sitting to all the way laid up on the ground. The prince stands up with her back to the crowd, wipes at her mouth, licks her fingers, and turns around. Stepping off to the side so that the court can see Mr. Cohen and Summer laying dead on the stage, she addresses the crowd, but more specifically Mr. Cohen. She says, You understand very specifically that this is your chance. This is not a gift. This is a punishment. Because if she screws up, well, she is under your accounting, or shortly thereafter, your head will most certainly roll. And the fate of your previous childer will be welcome, as opposed to what will happen. He's straightens himself up, addresses the prince, saying, "Yes, I do." With that, he takes his thumb and he slits into his wrist and kneels down next to Summer and squeezes Vite into her mouth. After a moment, you'll see her head turn and latch on and begin to drink. Prince turns to address the crowd and says, that is all of the announcements for this evening. The sheriff and his hounds will be, and she motions off to the one side, taking reports and evidence and all things Sabat related so that we can bring this situation to a close. She motions to the other side where there's the fence slash cage that is set up. If you wish to peruse those ghouls of Miss Jackson's that we have brought here, they are the Keeper of Elysium. We'll be happy to to take bids or offers on the ghouls if other kindred want them. I apologize for the outburst this evening. I apologize for the rushed situation we find ourselves in, but idleness, and she looks into the direction where Abishai was, only leads to more problems down the line. She gives a small nod. She turns to her her clanmate and Mr. Cohen looks down at Summer, nods her head to the Lasombra and the Lasombra's guest, and walks off the stage in the other direction. 
conversation quickly becomes very loud. She is going to be pissed at me. Why is that? Because I was trying to make her wear the ankle monitor. She's going to be mad. I'm going to have to try and like talk her out of being mad at me. You know, it wasn't you that made her put on that ankle monitor. It was the dearly departed Carol fucking Jackson. Yeah, that that's true. You're absolutely right about that. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Do we want to take a look at any of the ghouls? Or, I mean, I'm, I already have two more than I did last night. Well, I believe that we should unite the workers. You have made your attitudes known in regards to ghouls. I do not think the prince is going to allow free ghouls from Carol's stable. Well, I'd have to take them as my own and then release them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coco, you should go as well. Take a look. It is another facet of kindred society, which you should become acquainted. Yeah, let's go. It will be fine. Hey, Mischief, do you want to go? Okay, sounds gross. No. She'll shoot Jimmy a dirty look. It did not seem like you were seen. No. I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to go find Raven and... uh Get something to eat. Yes, of course, of course. I will speak with the sheriff and with Elizabeth, and later on with Raven, I will take care of the bureaucracy that uh, comes with the unfortunate demise of our beloved Baron Walter, Baron of Paradise. Yeah, I should probably grab a bite to eat soon, but none of these people know me. That is why you make introductions, Jimmy. Yeah, well, if I just introduce myself, then they don't still don't know what I... Anyway, anyway. That's for me to figure out. So it is. All right, Miss Coco. Off we go. As you split up and mingle, we'll stick with Art and Missy first. So they're headed straight to the sheriff, as it were. And... As you get closer, you will notice that Raven is behind the little table that they have set up, and she has a tablet in her hand, is tapping away at it as different kindred are coming up and saying different things that are like, oh, well, you know, the other night there was a pack of dogs at the shelter that were all drained, or there was this really nice SUV in the north of the city that was lit on fire or other situations that maybe they did. Maybe they're blaming on the Sabbat to get away from it, to get out from under any kind of repercussions, but who knows? After a few moments, the line is clear for the two of you to talk to the sheriff. And he is sitting there with Raven and seeing the two of you come up he doesn't look as angry as he usually does. Fancy that. Sheriff Hounds, it has been a whirlwind couple of days, yes? 
he'll give you a a brief like up nod. He says, Arthur, and he looks to Missy. Misty. He nods. Appreciate your help last night. The prince knows of you and your coterie's involvement. Raven just pops a bubble. It was, of course, the right thing to do in order to take a dangerous threat off the streets of our fair domain. He knows. That is correct. Now there's only one more we need to worry about for now, and Raven insists that her technology can find this guy. Is that Tomer jerk? Sheriff was like, Raven informs me that when we get enough information, we can triangulate where he is and take care of him that way. Well, uh, I will uh, land what resources I have in regards to locating this uh, second threat. Uh, Raven and I have already worked with it together before. She gives you a thumbs up. Yeah, it's no big deal. We'll just, you know, get everything together, track him down. Somebody's going to catch him on social media or something sometime. Well, certainly, of course. And then once we get a picture, the Chimera insists that they can take care of it from there. A picture, you say? Yeah, they got magic mumbo-jumbo bullshit that they can do, I supposedly. Art looks back towards where Jimmy's walking towards the cage. Give me a day. I may have something for you. She cracks an eyebrow. The sheriff looks at her and then looks at you. All right. I uh, just kind of does that thing with his lips where it's like a begrudging smile kind of thing. It's, uh, it's good work. I still have security footage to go through, but I think I may have something regarding a meeting between Sveeple and this uh, other character we are looking for. All right. The uh, the sooner you get this information to us, the, the better. We can have this all wrapped up, and I'm sure you'll be showered in boons and praise. Yes, it is a little unusual. This has never really happened before. As well as the dusting of a baron. Allers. Unfortunately. Seems like a coordinated attack against the the leadership here in the city. It does, and uh, with the unusual reticence or passivity of the other barons of the city, I have not heard of anybody else being attacked just yet, just Baron Walter. It's very strange. Very strange indeed. Raven pops up with, there's been a, a few reports so far of people happening, uh, drained bodies being found. Uh, she kind of flips the tablet to face you a little bit, and you can see a couple of different pins and a map of the city. He makes a note, a mental one. Do you wish to sit and have a conversation with Raven here, or is that a later thing? I totally can. Okay, so you guys can converse, share information as the sheriff takes more reports from other people. Missy, are you hanging out, or are you going to mosey? No, I'm going to hang out and wait for her to get done with art. Meanwhile, across the floor, 
coming upon the set of cages, you will see that the Keeper of Elysium is sat next to a, a small table. On it is a book with a couple of pages in it. Behind him are five people within this little fenced-in caged area that seem to be sitting on chairs back here. There are some water bottles in there. There's two women and three men, one of which, Jimmy, you recognize as, uh, I believe you called him Keith, one of the large, strong men of Carol's employee, the security guards that she would use for different things. He is standing with his back to the wall, arms simply crossed in front of him, looking kind of resigned and like a security guard at work. Sort of ready, sort of at rest, just kind of looking around. The other three people you recognize as just people in Carol's employee from various different aspects of her life. And then the last is a young woman that you met only very recently and briefly, who seems to be sitting down, sobbing, not looking up. She is Ron Coco's age and of African-American descent. And the last time you saw her was a fairy. Oh, fuck. Well, uh, Coco, you've been meaning to call Jade, haven't you? Uh, yeah, that, that can't be right. Yeah, that definitely seems like something that Carol would do. On the book, on the table, you see a picture of, we'll say Keith, and it has some of his physical details, like how old he is, what he used to do, years in service to Carol's, things he's good at, as if you were ordering a person off of a menu. Or, to be kind, a resume. Oh, sorry, what's the keeper's name? Just goes by Keeper. Uh... Keeper, do you mind if I chat with some of the ghouls? Or no? Motions to the book and to the table, you are you are free to do so. Be mindful that, that they should remain well behaved. Yeah, I just I knew most of them while they were in Carol's employ and I just wanna see how they uh, are holding up. Of course. They give you a nod and just maintain their seated position, but stay out of the way and don't say anything. So Jimmy's going to do just that first with Keith. And just like, hey, man, it's been a rough couple of days for you, I bet. How are you holding up? Almost as if he was in his own headspace upon hearing your voice focuses on you and it tilts his head a little bit. Jimmy? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, uh, how you doing? Um, certainly rough now that Carol's gone, or maybe not rough, but different. So a lot of things I've been coming to terms with over the past few nights. Yeah, I bet. Now, uh, you, you know what's going on here, right? I got some ideas. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of this whole process. You're kind of being sold off like a slave. Yep. Yeah. 
while you're having this conversation, Coco, what are you doing? Well, I didn't even ask. Fuck that book. Like, that's Jade. So I just walk over to the cage and like, Jade, Jade. She looks up confused, eyes teary, and uh, you can obviously see that there are some tears that are pulling out of her eyes. But then she locks her eyes on you and is like, Coco? She gets to her feet and starts very quickly walking up to the fence. Okay, so we are going to get out of here. That's awesome, right? Is that, where have you been? And she reaches forward. I imagine with like with your hand on the uh, the fence. Uh, yeah, if I can have my hands on it. You can. And she reaches out to put her hands on your hands, kind of like doing that prison handholdy thing. But as she touches it, she yells out and recoils as there is a burning sensation on her hands. She starts just like holding it, like clutching it to her chest, like ah, swearing a blue streak. You feel nothing from the fence other than the cold metal. Okay, so like maybe don't touch that. And I just like let go. But it's fine. We're going to get out of here. We are going to get a new apartment is the plan. We're moving. She looks down at her hand, which as you look at it, you can see that there is a burn or scorch mark across her fingers where she grabbed it. What's what's happening? I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. But where have you been? That's like the bigger question here. Well, after you went missing, I was looking for you, and then I couldn't find you and your family. Well, they, you know, they were also looking for you and your dad's running walk, and there was police tape all over your apartment. And then Miss Jackson found out, and she said that you know I could help her find you and she was all worried are you kidding me she said that yeah she i was from the party that bitch that is pretty fucked up who are these people i don't know man but i am just so glad that i have found you like for real i've been meaning to call you but like they took my phone they basically kidnapped me like it's a long weird story just want to just want to go home and get fucked up right same so i think i have to talk to somebody i'll be back don't go anywhere definitely don't touch this shit she starts to to walk towards it as you be in this room i was like uh, but she stops from touching it and it's just like tears in her eyes watching you what she thought was abandoning her, but can clearly see you don't leave her line of sight. Meanwhile, Jimmy, you were talking with Keith as this little exchange was going down. Yeah, the the gist of what Jimmy wants to say is that he's sorry he can't, you know, afford him. Uh, he would be a great asset to his team, but he doesn't really have the money but tries to be civil and maybe understanding or trying to be nice. Jimmy would know that there are other things one could use than money to, to make purchases. 
Yeah, but he's going to have to make a big purchase probably with Jade. Or maybe not a big purchase, but... That's Coco's purchase. Hmm. Keith's... He's like... Puts a hand up. I get it, man. This is fucked up shit. You got fucked up people. Sure do. He shrugs, rolls his shoulders. Maybe put in a good word. Somebody. If not, it's uh, it's been a long ride already. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll think of someone, someone good, and I'll rec- I'll recommend you to them. That's all I can ask. Yeah. And around that time, I guess is when Coco runs yeah. off. Coco, who are you going to talk to? I saw. Jimmy talking to the keepers. I met them before. Yeah, I know who they are. Kind of, I think they're important. You know, there's somebody important. Yeah. And they seem to be like hanging out like right here. So they're probably important right here. So hi. Um, can I talk to you guys uh, about my friend over here? Jade. Ah, yes. And he, turns, picks up the book, and flips the page over to the picture of her. It's got some of her details in it. The picture, she looks like a mess. Her hair is a wreck. Her eyes are all bloodshot. She's clearly been crying. And it has some details about her life, including some of the facts that she was arrested for various juvie things in there. Stuff you probably all know. Yeah, but that is just like a very unflattering portrait of my friend. That's just sad. There's no response or like emotional reaction from this person here. You're sitting here too. Um, how do I get to take her home with me? She's like my friend. We've been best friends for like a while, and I think that you know she deserves a break. And that cage thing really burnt her hands. It is indeed warded against schools so that they stay within the designated areas until a new dormitory could be found. Uh, Jimmy will walk up and go, uh, Coco, you didn't make a bid yet, did you? Um, no, I didn't. I have to bid. Can I just, like, take my friend home? N- no. Look, um... This might be hard to hear, but you should wait on putting on a bid and maybe show less interest. Because if there's people who want to make any of our coterie upset, they know that they can try and purchase jade from us. Oh my god, why is this just worse and worse all the time? Good question. So... Keeper, are are you allowed to disclose if there's any bids? It's not necessarily a closed auction, however. You will know that your friend has not received much more than a cursory glance from most of the assembled kindred this evening. You know what? I am like suddenly glad that her like resume looks like shit. <laughs> Jimmy, if you look, you will see that she's only been in service to Carol for like a week. Yeah. 
and that she has no real like super marketable skills. Keith, Keith is a badass as far as mortals go. All right, I'll put in a bid for Jade. Mainly because if your name shows up on the bid, it's going to provide a lot of suspicion. For me, a sentimental piece of Carol. Does that make sense? No, that's like my best friend, not your sentimental piece. No, thank you. I need. I think that I should talk to Art, actually. I think that's, that's the direction that I want to take this in, Jimmy. You're not the boss of me. I'm aware. I'm trying to reduce suspicion so Jade can go for cheap. To us. Yeah, but you like, you want to have your weird like freegals. Hey, hey, hey. Yes. Avoid saying those words around here. Wow. Okay. Cool. 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 Weird. Very weird. Say, told you. All right. Yes. Speak with Art. See what he thinks is the best idea. But let's wait on putting in a bid until we come to a conclusion. But like, how much time do we have? Uh, till morning. Our keeper, like, what? A couple hours before morning, probably. Towards the end of Elysium this evening. Yeah, we still have a few hours. Okay, cool. So I have to stay like focused this whole time at this party. That's great. Definitely doing that. Keeper, do you know what I'd have to bid if I wanted Keith, perhaps? That's current? Yeah. There is a not small sum of money and a minor boon thus far being offered from one of the fellow kindred of the city. Hmm. Okay. Thanks. All right, Coco, let's go chat with Art. Sweet. I think that he went over that way. Yeah, I think I saw him head to the sheriff. And Jimmy's going to walk with Coco away from the keeper to try and keep some secrecy. All right. So here's my plan. I put in a big bid for Keith. I put in a small bid for Jade. Okay, you don't have to agree to this. This is what I'm thinking. Someone's going to try and steal Keith from me, which I'm perfectly fine doing. Okay? But no one's going to think twice about Jade as just a, you know, a cheap pick sort of thing. Wow, that's kind of rude and like seems it is kind of condescending as well it is but that's what everyone else is thinking we want jade so we put in a low bid on jade thinking that so that we can it's not seen as our primary pick we pretend that keith is our primary pick okay so that if someone's against us, they will steal Keith from us and leave Jade alone. So we get Jade. Okay, but like, I don't want this like we get Jade thing. Like, I have some money. I could make the bids. And I just, it's, you know, the whole weird relationship thing. I told you it didn't work out for my friends. 
Yes. Okay. Fine. At the very least, you want Jade as part of our coterie. That is my aim. Okay, cool. I get that. I do. We're going to talk it out. This is a group decision. I make group decisions now, right? That's what we're going to do. Yes. Is it me or does art just randomly up and disappear sometimes? Yeah, that's a Nosferatu thing. They're so scared of being ugly that they just hide. That is so sad. I mean, would you want to look at them all the time? I mean, art's pretty good looking for a Nosferatu. Ew. Anyway, uh, we approach the sheriff and, or I guess, Raven and uh, Art. Yeah, is he still there? And there's a couple other kindred that are floating around. Uh, hey, Art. Um, interesting thing happens when you have a moment we can chat. Uh, yes, I think uh, we are done here, Raven. It was it was a good talk. Like I said, we will talk about uh, the the quadricopter drones. I have um, I have a different design. I think I, I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it. It's got uh, it. It's almost like putting a camera on the head of a chicken. It's it's got that whole steady cam thing. It's very interesting. Okay, cool. Camera's good. Check. Um, a moment. She gives you the thumbs up, but is totally paying attention to her her tablet, whatever it is she's doing. Yeah, Art's used to that. So, all right, what 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 is it? What is it? You're seriously my best friend. Jade is up there in one of those little cages, and it burnt her hands. And then Jimmy says that we need to like bid on her, and like a big fish, little fish situation or something. And, like, he, I think, wants to buy her. Yes. Okay. Okay, so why don't you want to buy her? I do. I totally do. Like, I don't trust Jimmy. He already lied to me. Sorry, Jimmy. Well, he's standing right there. Here's my plot. And I'm explaining it to us. So... If Coco tries to make a purchase for someone, she's a fledgling, right? It seems weird. No, but that's like my best friend, okay? Yes. Like, which is, there are some kindred who, if they find that out, will outbid you ridiculously just to spite you. Okay, what? that's just mean. It is, and I'm trying to protect you from that. So, uh, Art, you remember Keith, the big, tough brute? Uh, Yes, I remember him. So he seems to be going for a pretty penny. And uh, my thought is we put a sizable bid on Keith, expecting to get outbid, and then put a smaller one on Jade. Maybe another small bid on someone else who's there, just to try and create some confusion. We only really want Jade. Okay. So I would go around and let let it slip to a few people how great Keith was and let him know I put in a bid. So, so like, if there's someone who wants to 
try and steal them, they will. And then that will be the focus on that in case someone doesn't like us and they want to just cause us annoyance. Are you certain this isn't some kind of uh, latent longing for Carol Jackson? Because this seems rather complicated, especially for you. Yes, it is. I'm trying to think like a baron. (laughs) That's what it is. That's what's different about you. You were so much sleazier. Is he going to get like all fat and nasty like the other one? Fuck no. No, he has he has the jazzercise machine. Uh, Coco, what is Jade worth to you? I mean, like if it's money, I think I have some money. I can probably get some money. Like I don't really have much else. I have some art. I don't know what I can offer. What are you willing to give? This is the lesson that we are going to impart to you this evening about the kindred society. It is what we are willing to give. We are functionally immortal. Time is just, it's nothing to us. So the resources we have now will become a hundredfold in just as many years. But what are you willing to give? That is what you are going to write down on the bidding sheet. Now, if art is what you can give, give that art. There are people who would be very interested in what art you can create. If it is favors, you can give somebody favors. If it is money, you can give money. If you can call in favors, call in favors. We have to remember this is going to the Camarilla, to the prince. Thought. Hear me out. Art. You are having Coco buy Jade because she's going to be the the story we're fabricating. You're going to have Coco purchase Jade as a means to show her how our society works. And that's just what we tell people. No, and she's like my best friend. It just doesn't feel right. Like it feels super sleazy. That like doesn't matter. No one knows you, really. However, the story he is telling is is a good one if you feel comfortable. That is what we are doing. I want you to bid for your best friend's freedom. I want you to think about what you are willing to give. And make that bid, because you will have to follow through should you win. It is the same thing with this thing about Keith. If Jimmy puts in this incredibly expensive bid, expecting to be outbid, what happens if he is not? Then he's on the hook for it. Only bet what you are willing to give. But there is no other way you're going to get it. I can think about it, right? You can absolutely think about it. But remember, other people are thinking about this too. And other people are watching. So if you interact with Jade, they will see that. Okay, I get it. Thank you for thinking like a baron or whatever. All right. 
If you want me to make a bid to try and distract, I will. But I like my second idea better, because I don't like the idea of overextending myself. What if you actually end up winning the really expensive guy? Then I will be both joyed and terrorized. Fabulous. I love this plan. This is the best plan. Let me know how it goes. If you require any other assistance, I will see what I can do. Do you have any money I could put towards the bid? <laughs> oh, same. <laughs> I said what you are willing to give, not what of mine you are willing to give. Damn it. Come on. That is the lesson. It is your resources, not mine. I don't buy ghouls. I buy little helicopters with video cameras on them. They are great for surveillance. With chicken heads? I only overheard part of that. No, you see there's a new gyros gyroscope that uh, steady steadies the camera. It is based off of uh, putting a little camera uh, on a helmet on a chicken's head and going on boat. It turns out they are very, very good at keeping their heads level. So even going over choppy water, the picture is crystal clear and smooth. It's amazing. Got it. All right. Off we go. Art is going to watch them go. He'll look back to the table. He's got a stupid grin on his face. And he's gonna shadow him. He wants to see. He wants to see where this goes. Missy, are you going with, or are you just gonna hang out here and kind of chit chat with Raven between her doing hound stuff? Chit chat with Raven. Now Jimmy's talking about buying ghouls. She's staying. She's just avoiding Jimmy. I am curious as to Missy's thoughts on buying ghouls as she is sitting on a pile of money. You and I have the same thoughts. So. So two things will happen throughout the course of you walking back over to deal with the bidding. There are, I guess, three things. The sheriff will call out to you guys, since you're all kind of together, that the uh, the prince would want to see you all shortly. Well, yes, of course. The three of you will start walking across the floor back over to the cages to make your bids and to try and settle your situation. When the woman that was introduced earlier crosses your path, the La Sombra and her associate, and she puts out her hand towards Jimmy, as I imagine he is the one at the front, to introduce herself. Ah, hello. Um, I forget your name, Miss La Sombra. She gives you a, a smile. She has a little a little wine flute of blood. My name was never given. But you may call me Winifred. Winifred. Pleasure to meet you, Winifred. And this is my assistant, Dawn. And Dawn gives you a sup. Sup. Hey. Hey. Coco, you will notice that she has a bunch of different tattoos on her exposed skin of her arms. Mostly like... Uh, like elbow down, but you can see that they go up underneath. 
And as she is standing there, you will see that there is a tattoo behind her left ear in that space, like behind her jaw to her neck area. And it is of a crown. That's cool. That's really cool. Do I like recognize any of the artist work? Some of the stuff is familiar, but there's some stuff in here you definitely don't recognize that seems to have some prominence. Like that crown, you know, crowns are cool. There's occasionally things involving gang tattoos or symbolism that involve crowns, but this is seems something very specific and in a position where there is no other art around it. It's not like her whole body is tatted up. Some people they start with one and then it just it just keeps going and all of a sudden their entire body is a work of art. And you then hear a, a thumping sound coming from the stage. And as the crowd starts to to turn their attention there, you will see that it is Summer's body that has been laying there for the past half hour or so, and it's starting to twitch. Mr. Cohen, Mr. Stephen Cohen motions to the side. And somebody will come out and bring out a red robe. And as Summer lays there, he takes off the robe that she was wearing. She has a tank top and some boy shorts on underneath of it. Nothing like super scandalous or revealing, but he rolls her around a little bit to get the old robe off. And after a moment, there is a deep intake of breath, even though she does not need to breathe anymore. And her eyes open, and she looks across the crowd with her fangs extended and just taking it in. Becoming alive again for the first time ever as a vampire. She shakily begins to stand, and Stephen helps her stand, and then takes the red robe and drapes it over her. She steadies herself and looks to the crowd of people that are gathered here and are paying attention. And in steadying yourself, she addresses them and says, I am Summer Green, child of Stephen Cohen, child of Victor Leon. And you can see her close her eyes and try real hard to remember it. Child of Oliver Blaze and child of Lucien Zamphir. She pauses, clearly thinking, but stops and Stephen smiles and nods and puts his arm on her shoulders and says to the group, I would like for you all to meet my child. Our Baron. And we found only his dust left. Jimmy, could you roll me some manipulation and persuasion? I will remind you, um, or subterfuge if you're better at that. Or Nope. I will remind you that you can rouse the blood, risking gaining a hunger for two additional dice. I will do that. And I will also remind you that you have a full thing of willpower. I'm well aware. This is super scary. Oh, shit. Four or five successes. I'm happy with that. That's fair. I failed my rouse, so I gained a hunger. 
that is very good to be. Uh, it's a very good role. He's hungry for many things. I will offer the uh, the retroactive of if somebody wants to throw, to give him an assist die by throwing in on what he is saying. That actually has uh, persuasion or subterfuge if somebody wants to corroborate his story. What do you say to corroborate his story as he makes these proclamations to everybody? Oh, I can totally, totally corroborate. Not now, Coco. Not now. His tragic death, not about his own life. Just that it was absolutely horrible. Like, the place was disgusting. You should have seen how he lived. It was really, really gross. Jimmy, if you want to roll one more die, because assists get or just like an extra die for person. Uh, not uh, a success. You would now have two dice you could go power if you wanted to. You know what? Why not? Sure. Putting it out there. That's and another success. Done. Cool. So six. I am curious as to Missy's thoughts on buying ghouls as she is sitting on a pile of money. You and I have the same thoughts. Oh, my my thought immediately that after you said that uh, is something terrible and wonderful that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, share. Secretly open, Jimmy. <laughs> or, oh. <laughs> I sent you a thing because it's the thing that came to my mind. And. Uh, yeah, we're on the same track. Okay. I'm not super interested in the the bidding process as to whether or not you guys are uh, to spoiler alert. Uh, Jade is going to end up part of the squad as it were, because I owe somebody two dots worth of context for somebody that they ate. Um, they force fed me really. Yeah, no, it's true. We did. I did. It's pretty rude. I mean, that's what happens when storyteller won't let me look at your character sheet. I mean, that's better. fair. Um, I would like for you all to meet my child. And that, that is where we'll cut it. Dun, dun, dun. So many things. Yeah, that was sweet. I never got any of that. I think I got dumped in like a trunk, thrown in a freezer. Sure that was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> we have our own kind of traditions here in Paradise Mall. Yay. Can't <laughs> Portland. It's true. Uh, how's everybody feeling? Everybody good? Like a dumpster, a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Basically are. Uh, in case anybody is worried, that is not her full lineage. She's not a seventh generation Ventrue. That's just as far back as uh, Stephen knows. Unlike uh, the prince who was able to recount her lineage all the way back to uh, a child of an antediluvian earlier. Cool. Uh, now I have to come up with 11 names. Huh. I mean, it, you don't have to. The Venture are the only ones that are really like artsy-fartsy, hoity-toity about it. Oh, okay then. It's just up to you. Um, I don't anticipate anybody's grandsire to show up. Cool. That was a lot of stuff that I was really excited to drop on you. I hope it wouldn't feel like a giant exposition party. I mean, it was a giant exposition party, but it was still cool. That's 
That's fair. It's very much was. All right. Goodbye, Craig, for realsies. This Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle is a non-official, fan-created work by the Without a Net podcast. Portions of the materials used in this actual play are the copyrights and trademarks of Paradox Interactive AB and are used with their permission. All rights are reserved. For any further information in those regards, or maybe upcoming releases, eh? You can find them at worldofdarkness.com.